This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? I hope everybody's doing well out there. We're going to dive into the Word and conclude this series, um, The Power of the Tongue. All right, Loose Cannon. The Power of the Tongue, part five, okay? We got five Sundays in this month, and so we were able to really spend some time on this. And so I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna talk about today just, um, and we have touched on this throughout this month, but specifically, uh, we're gonna talk about how our relationships are impacted by our mouths, okay? Um, Good or bad. Um, and how it affects relationships and how in the context of relationships, um, our mouths can be a blessing and we can be on the other side of um, people in our life speaking into our life and what they're speaking or saying is a blessing to us, right? And so uh, let's do this. I'm excited about this and um, here we go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that you are speaking, that you are alive, and that your word is living and active, and it penetrates to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intents of the heart. So we thank you that as we hear your word, that you do um, a spiritual work, that you do that heart surgery that we need today. Um, Ignite something fresh and new in us in the spirit uh, by your word. Uh, In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. All right, here we go. Let's jump right into this, folks. Let us begin. All right, so here we go. We're going to jump right in. So 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. I'm going to just share kind of these, not random scriptures, but it's not like I have like one narrative story or something. It's just kind of jumping throughout the, the scriptures, you know, but just talking about how the, the, the how language and words can affect us, impact us positively positively or negatively. And so we're, at first we're going to look at the negative aspects of this, okay? And how this is in the context of relationship. So 1 Peter 4, 9, here we go. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. All right? Somebody say amen. And so grumbling is a vocal word. It's language. It's words. And it's it's talking about how be hospitable to one another. And, and Peter is talking to the church. And he's like, man, you know, basically love one another, serve one another, be good to each other, right? Speaking of the body of Christ without grumbling. So even this word grumbling is in this context of relationship. You know, it's, it's a, it's, it's, he's talking about how we treat one another. And it says, do this, be kind in a sense, um, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Okay. And so grumbling, it's not a good thing. It's not a good word. Okay, and so what, what that word means in the Greek is this. I want to give this to you so we can kind of see. I think once I read this definition, I think we can all relate to it in some way. But it means smoldering discontent. You know, rah, 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 right? <laughs> you know, um, grumbling. It means smoldering discontent. Okay, this is a very interesting word, and I'm going to try to say it. And it's an onomatopoetic term, an onomatopoetic word. Okay, imitating the sounding of cooing doves. So it's just like this undercurrent of discontent. Like, 
I don't know why she does that. I don't know why they act like that. Why does my husband do that? Why does my wife do that? Right? So it means to murmur or mutter with muffled undertones. So it's literally like what I am doing is what it is. It's literally like situation. I don't know. You're frustrated with somebody and you're, you know what I mean? And you're just like, rah, 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 rah. there's times I've done that to my wife. You know, I'm just like, rah, 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 rah. You, know, you ever see those old uh, Flintstone commercials and they like, they, they, somebody like stubs their toe or they're upset and they're like, rah, 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 right? <laughs> I don't know. I remember as a kid, Flint, uh, Fred Flintstone doing that, like, rah, 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 right? Just under his breath. But they mean some murmur or mutter with muffled undertones. Right, droning on in a low, constant murmur. Right? Somebody say words. Somebody say the power of the tongue. All right? So, so this is a temptation for us in our relationships, especially those ones we're really close with, close to. God's like, don't do that. All right? That's not healthy. That's not, you know, and I understand sometimes people can do that and they're kind of joking around and playing around. I'll do that to my wife. I've done it plenty of times, right? Like we'll be in a situation or something and I'll be over here like, I don't know, just doing something and we're talking and then she's like, what was that? I was like, nothing, <laughs> right? I didn't say nothing. I didn't say nothing, right? And, and she's done it to me too, by the way, okay? But like, right? And so it's a lot easier to grumble when uh, we're around grumblers, Right, it's 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 a that that environment can kind of pull us in, and so like I said, we're talking about the power of the tongue and being a loose cannon, and how relationships are impacted. Like this happens in relational context. Something we got to watch out for, you know, because even if it's sometimes I think in some ways it can. I don't know. There's times my wife and I'll do it, and we're kind of it's kind of playful, where we're not truly like, you know, there's not something truly festering so bad. It's kind of. So we might be a little frustrated, but just kind of, it's not that big a deal, right? It's kind of light. It's not, you know, but um, here it, it is a big deal. There, there is something here that is very serious. And, and there, this isn't the only time that we see this in the scripture where, where God's like, don't do this. Because this can, this can be like a just, you know, uh, it can, it can, it's sowing seeds of stuff, you know? And it isn't healthy. We need to talk and communicate, be honest, and not just be under our breath over here rah, 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 about somebody or something, right? And so like I said before, and, and, and this is how the, the, the relational aspect comes into play is because if we're around that kind of stuff, it's easy to get pulled into it if we're not careful to be like, I know, right? Da, 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 da. I know, I can't believe that. Oh my goodness. And it's just not of God, right? It's not of God. Right? It's, it's, it, the word here says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Without. Don't do it. Okay? Don't do it. Right? So here we go. I'm going to read uh, John chapter 6. And this is when Jesus addresses and uses this same word. Okay? This smoldering discontent. But let me read the whole context so you can see kind of what's happening here. But in John chapter 6, verse 41 to 45, it says, the Jews then complained about him. Okay? There we go. Okay? There we go. Somebody say, loose cannon, the power of the tongue. The Jews then complained about him, running their mouth. 
uh, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, it is, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know, right? Complaining. How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? So they're, they're gossiping about Jesus. Wait a minute. Did you hear what he said? Isn't this who he is? Right? So unhealthy. This is so unhealthy. And Jesus, therefore, answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves, yourselves, plural. So he's like, don't do this among yourselves. So this murmuring has this relational context, right? In the first verse we read, it was like in a relational context, talking about being one another and don't murmur. And this he says, he didn't just address an individual. He was talking to a group of people and he's like, hey, don't murmur among yourselves, yourselves, plural plural. Do not murmur among yourselves, right? No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. So Jesus like, look, let me clarify again, right? But the point here is, is these are the words of Jesus. This is our savior speaking. And he's saying, do not murmur. Do not allow smoldering discontent to, to fester in you and through your mouth in regard to relationship and other people, right? Don't allow this droning on in a low, constant murmur. Do not allow the murmuring or muttering with muffled undertones, right? Come on now. All right. There we go. Okay, what, let, let me read this other verse. Here we go. Here's another one that ties into this. Philippians chapter two, uh, verse 14 to 16. Here we go. Do all things without complaining and disputing. All right? Do all things without, like don't do this. Okay? Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Once again, this is speaking in the plurality of community and or society. And he's saying, don't be like the world. Don't do things with complaining and disputing. And he says, as children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Like we as believers are called to be different. We got to personally shut that down and say, man, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do all this with complaining and disputing. I'm not going to be over here gossiping and running my mouth about everything. I am a believer and I am a witness uh, uh, of Christ and his goodness. And I am going to be an example as to what a Christian really should be like, Right. And it says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Verse 16, holding fast the word of life so that I, and this is Paul talking to them, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. All right, so the word says, you know, do all things without complaining and disputing and do not murmur among yourselves, relational impact with our words. And so this word 
uh, disputing is a relational word. It's, it's where we get the word. It's a, it uses part of our word dialogue. Dialogue is two people or more, right? We're communicating. There's other people around. I'm telling you, the devil attacks our relationships through words, attacks relationships. That, that's his, that's one of the main avenues the devil works in. Come on, somebody. And so, and so he's saying, don't, don't do this. Don't do, you know, do all things without complaining, without murmuring. All right. And so this word disputing is the Greek word dialogismos, dialogismos, where we get the word dialogue. So he's saying, don't dispute among yourselves. Don't dialogue this way. And so this word is, is, is a strong word here. And, and so it, it speaks of uh, back and forth reasoning, but it is self-based and causes confusion. That's what this word means. It is dialoguing back and forth, back and forth reasoning that is self-based, self-imposed. It's confused and causes confusion. Okay. And so, um, in the definition, it says, especially as it contributes to reinforcing others in discussion to remain in their initial prejudice. Okay. And so the Bible says, come on now, do all things without this. Don't bring this into your relationships. Don't allow this to take root in your relationships, right? We see this a lot in our society today, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, of societal upheaval, turmoil, unrest in our world. And, and, and people are in shock and they're reacting and they're, you know what I mean? And, and for good reason, I, I understand why people are maybe a little more sensitive, maybe a little more intense. I understand that there's a lot going on, but we as believers need to Keep a guard on our tongue, our mouth. We, 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 we ain't supposed to do this. Come on, somebody. So when we step into an environment, we, 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 we come with peace and understanding and truth and, and clarity, right, of speech and not, you know, under our breath, little murmuring, as we said before, and not this, um, you know, kind of projecting and imposing um, this self-based reasoning that causes confusion, right? You know, we see, uh, we, we, I'm sure we witness this on a weekly basis with people, just kind of, man, disputing, right? It's unfruitful. It's not of God. Spirit of God isn't in that. I, say, I said, the Spirit of God is not in that. He ain't a part of that. Jesus isn't over there celebrating when believers are button heads like that. It's not of God. Somebody needs to say amen. All right, and, and look it, nothing wrong with having an opinion. But how many of you know, if we're honest, we need to watch our opinions. We need to filter our opinions. We need to, we need to pray about our opinions. I'm an opinionated person. I got strong opinion and, and, and being, having a strong opinion, I know God can use strong will, right? He can use that, but the devil can too. And just cause we have a strong opinion and I just know what I want. I know what I believe. Sometimes I can come with some self-based stuff as this word defines. If we're honest, we can be like, you know what? Can be strong comes into play in a good way, but it can also come into play in a bad way, if if we're honest. Come on, somebody say amen, right? And so here it is. Here's my first point, my first main point here. Set a guard over your mouth, right? Because these things are in life, in relation, in our humanity, we must watch this. And so we must set a guard 
over our mouth. It doesn't mean we don't talk. It doesn't mean we're not honest. It doesn't mean we don't have honest conversation. But we can be honest and forthright and assertive, and we don't have to be murmuring, complaining, and disputing at the same time. All right? Come on now. Here, let me read some verses here. But say it with me. Say it with me. Set a guard over my mouth. Okay, here it is. I'm going to read these quickly just to support this point. Look at this. And there's way more in the scriptures um, concerning this whole setting a guard over our mouth. But I'm going to read something. This is going to speak to you. I believe this is really going to speak to you from the scripture. But Psalm 39 verse 1 um, says, I said, I will guard my ways lest I sin with my tongue. All right. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. You see the relational context here. I mean, this is in the context of people. So the psalmist here in Psalm 39 verse 1 is understands the pull to get into arguments and disputes and things that do not produce godly fruit. Um, it's, it's not hard, even as a believer, to get pulled into that, especially to trigger something in us, right? <clears throat> We're going to do a sermon series later this year. Um, few months from now, I don't remember the exact month, but we're planning to do a series called Triggers. Triggers, how we are triggered at times and we got to get healed and restored in our soul so that the devil doesn't trigger us. Anyway, but set a guard over your mouth. That's Psalm 39 verse 1. Here's another one. Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Somebody say, man, set a guard. Oh Lord, over my mouth, keep watch over the door of my lips. All right, come on now, look at somebody and tell them, watch your mouth, watch your mouth, right? Watch your mouth, here we go, here we go. Okay, we can go on and on about that right there, that whole uh, little section right there, but we're, we're gonna move on here. And we're gonna talk about kind of the positive impact of relationships and just one word in particular in the scripture, we're going to talk about this now, is, is the word exhortation. Um, exhortation. Okay, it's, 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 I would call it a biblical word because we don't use that word a lot um, just in our world. We use the word encourage a lot, at least in the English language, right? We use the word encourage, but we don't say this word exhort a lot. Not that we have to, I'm not saying we have to, but it's just a, it's, it's a word and it's, it's very prevalent in the word. It's relational, and it's speaking of words, okay? So here we go. 1 Timothy 4.13. 1 Timothy 4.13. Um, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Okay, so here's Paul speaking to a spiritual son, and he's saying, man, until I come, you know what I'm saying? He's just empowering this young man to help lead the, the local church he was in. And he's like, man, till I come, give attention to these three, reading, the reading of the scripture, to exhortation, um, and to doctrine. Doctrine, teaching, teaching, reading the word, teaching the word, and exhorting people. Come on, say that when we say exhortation. Exhortation, okay? So this is a, a, takes it a bit further than just encourage, okay? So, so this is a, a vocal word. It's speaking of the use of words in language, and it is relational. Okay, so I'm going to give you the definition, then we're going to kind of dive into this a little deeper. But this word exhortation in the Greek, it means personal urging or holy urging. It is just to urge, to, to maybe even challenge, 
okay? And vocally kind of urging, a personal urging, a holy urging. It's where it, it is really, this Greek word is akin to the word used for the Holy Spirit, the counselor, comforter. It's the word, it's the, the like the Holy Spirit is called our, our, our counselor, which, which in the Greek it's paraclete. And so this word is, uh, as long as, it's like to come alongside somebody, right? And to urge them, to encourage them in godliness, to vocally encourage them in the direction of God, to, to kind of, to, to, to be there, to urge, to challenge, to, to uh, kind of help maybe verbally, vocally kind of direct somebody in godliness. Okay, this is what it means. Um, it, it's shaped by the individual context, meaning that the way it's done is determined by the actual context of the relationship. So it can refer to exhortation, it can refer to warning, even to vocally warn, say, hey man, you, man, don't, don't be doing that, right? And then, and it's, we're not, this isn't judging somebody, but it is warning them. You know, many times I believe in our life, we need people in our life to, 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 to highlight something and maybe it comes across as a warning. There's nothing wrong with being warned. Uh, there's a difference between being condemned and ridiculed and judged and just being warned, right? Um, uh, encouragement or comfort and treaty, it means um, encouragement, joy, gladness, consolation, comfort. Okay, so, so this word, it says give attention to exhortation. So instead of murmuring, uh, complaining, disputing, let's exhort one another, right? Let's, let, 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 let's do the opposite. Instead of these, instead of slander and gossip and backbiting and, and uh, all of these other, you know, negative things that, that, that if we're not careful, we can do with our words. Let's, Let's then exhort, let's give attention to exhortation, okay? And so here is my next point, and this applies to all of us, is, is you're called to edify God's people, right? Let, let's be ones that build up with our words, not tear down. You know, that, that word uh, used of the devil, you know, that he's the accuser of the brethren, and it, literally his name, you know, diabolos, is, is, is a vocal word, it means to, to, to tear down with words. That's what the, the definition of the devil himself is that's what he does, to tear down. Let's not be ones that tear down, let's be ones that build up. So let's edify, let's exhort, let's encourage, right? So here we go, here's another verse. Um, First Corinthians chapter 14, verse two to four, check this out. Now this in context is speaking of like, love in the church and spiritual gifts. But look at this though. Like, let's really look at, look at the power of words um, for uh, even the, the, the use of spiritual gifts and that God's heart um, for others and how we should have this same heart. Okay, so here we go. First uh, Corinthians 14, two, it says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. It's speaking of praying in tongues, praying in other tongues. But he who prophesies speaks. And the, these three things, edification and exhortation 
and comfort to men. Okay, this is what we're called to do. Yes, the Bible says, you know, not everybody's called to be a prophet, but all believers can prophesy. The scripture says, all can prophesy. Prophesy according to your faith. The Bible says this, okay? And it says that, but he who prophesies speaks. So he's saying, man, let's use our mouth to prophesy to not only, it's not just, and prophecy isn't just foretelling. It is forthtelling, meaning foretelling is telling of something that is going to happen in the future. Forthtelling is just declaring what God is going to do. It's not, it's not foretelling. It's just telling forth the goodness and grace and blessing of God. Okay. So, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. Verse four, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. I encourage you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you speak in tongues, I pray. I, I, I pray, but I also encourage you to pray in tongues because the Bible says he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, okay? But he who prophesies edifies the church. Once again, you're called to edify God's people, right? And so um, prophecy, I wanna give you the definition. This is a powerful definition because I believe we need to be prophesying in the sense of, Foretelling, using our words to speak life over people, okay? The word prophecy in the Greek, it means to assert God's words over every other word, okay? God, it means to assert one statement over another. So when we prophesy God's word, when we speak forth the blessing of God over somebody, what we're doing is we're asserting the love and truth and grace and mercy of God over everything else in somebody's life, right? And properly, this is what it means. I'm, I'm just reading the definition. It means to speak forth in divinely empowered forthtelling or foretelling to prophesy, okay? Okay, usually, this is literally the definition, usually a forthtelling or to reveal the mind of God in a particular situation, okay? Hallelujah, this is what it means. I encourage you to speak the word over people, edify them. The word of God will edify people, okay? The word of the enemy will tear them down, but the word of God in your mouth will edify them. Okay, edify means, it could, means really, this is what edify means. It's where we get the word edifice, building, an edifice, right? But it means constructive criticism and instruction, constructive. So many times edification can be challenging. It can challenge somebody. There's truth in it enough to kind of maybe sting a little bit, but the love is there. Speaking the truth and love, that's edification. It's constructive. It is. It may be challenging an area of life. It may be challenging a behavior, maybe confronting a bad habit, but not for the purpose of condemnation, for the purpose of freedom. It says constructive criticism and instruction that builds a person up to be the suitable dwelling place of God where the Lord is at home. All right, edify. Okay, edify. Here, you know, and we, we already uh, talked about exhortation. Here's the word comfort. Comfort is truly just that consolation, comfort that our words can comfort people. Our words, it's not, and this word comfort isn't necessarily a word of challenge. You know, it's not constructive criticism. Comfort is 
consolation. It's, it's, it, it, it carries a greater degree of tenderness than exhortation. Okay? And so we need all, and look, it says this. When we prophesy, this is what we are speaking. We are speaking edification. We are speaking exhortation. We are speaking comfort. I'm telling you, words are powerful. Here's my next point, and it's a prayer. It's a point that's a prayer. Here it is. Lord, purify our hearts. Lord, purify our hearts. First Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 2 to 4. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak. I am telling you that there is a grace in God that even when you're going through things that you can speak God's word boldly to others, right? We don't need a perfect little cute environment all the time to be godly, to bless others. It says here that Paul, they were spitefully treated in Philippi and yet they were still bold in, our, in their God to speak to you the gospel of God in much, in much conflict. Um, come on, somebody, we have God with us. And conflict doesn't need to always bring out the worst in us. I, I feel like in this situation, it seems like conflict brought out the best in Paul. Conflict brought out the best. He was still speaking life. He was going through a tough time, mistreated in the city. I mean, he, time and time again, this stuff would happen. He was fleeing certain cities. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like on the run, if you will, so he wouldn't get killed. And um, he's saying, man, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. All right. Somebody say, Lord, purify our hearts. Uh, verse three, for our exhortation. There it is again. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. Okay. Verse four, but as we have uh, been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak. Been entrusted with the gospel. We have the gospel, we have the word of God, we have the blessing of God, we have the favor of God, and therefore we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. And let, me, let me just read this from my notes here. There, there's a grace to speak life boldly to others, even when we're going through some things. All right, even when we are going through some things. Okay? I got one more verse here. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 10 to 12. It says, you are witnesses. And God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know, we exhorted, and comforted, and charged every one of you. Words. As a father does his own children. Verse 12, why? Why, why is this so important in our relationships? Why is exhortation, edification, comfort, and, and, and charging others with our words? Why is this so important as believers in community? This is why, verse 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. Why? that you would walk worthy of God. It is so important because 1 Thessalonians 2.12, 
that you would walk worthy of God. That you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Our words are doing something in our relationships. They are impacting people and we are impacted by words, right? Words are powerful. Words carry weight. Words are spiritual. Words go deep, right? And so, and so here it is. This is my last point. Um, our words promote Christ-likeness. Because it, it, Paul saying, man, we, we, as you know, we exhorted, we comforted, we charged, okay? And, and that word charge means like we testified. We told you of the goodness of God. We testified of, 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 uh, of who he is. And in that, it, we charged you. We, we challenged you. We consoled you. We built you up, you know, with our words, right? Um, man, and, and he's just talking about how, dev- how devoutly, how justly, blamelessly we behaved ourselves. And in, in the context of their behavior, you know, he, he's talking about the use of his words, Right. And how we did this as a father does his own children. Right. So look at the care. Right. The, like we see in the scripture a community, there was such a, a care, a genuine concern with one another and, 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 and really applying wisdom to the use of words. So once again, our words promote Christ-likeness in others, in, in, in the people in our life. Um, and, and this word um, here, you know, like, you know, that you would walk worthy. And so, man, he's talking about how they lived, how they behaved, and, and what they said. And it was, he said that these, that these things, their, their heart behind it was that they, that God's people here in the Thessalonians, Thessalonican church would walk worthy. And this word worthy is like, it means like becoming, right? It's like, it's like transforming. It's like metamorphosis. This, you know, walking worthy is becoming like Jesus. Uh, God's intention is that in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would, through our relationships, become more like Jesus, okay? Um, Here is my prayer today, that your words would do a deep and godly work in the lives of people that are close to you. That is my prayer. And so let's pray here as we close out the service. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, God, that it does a deep and profound godly work in us. And Lord, let our words, God, be the very oracles of God. Let our words, Lord, cause others to walk worthy. Let our words edify. God, let our words comfort. Let our words exhort. Let our words charge one another in the things of God. So Lord, I pray that through our mouths, 
Lord, there would be a fountain of life. Through our words, God, we would speak life. And God, we would be sowing the very divine seed into the hearts and lives of people. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord, keep a guard over our mouth. In the name of Jesus, we just thank you, God, for your work in us this year. Lord, sharpen us in this area of our life, the use of our words. God, let, let us speak this year with wisdom to the like of which we never have. Lord, we're, we're expectant, we're ready, and we desire, God, to, to, to truly be, Father, divine instruments this year in the lives of the people that we love and that are in our world. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.